You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update here at the American Council of the Blind. This is the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here, Claire Stanley, joined by... Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. Thanks to everyone joining us over at ACB Radio, as well as those listening via your favorite podcast player. And as always, you can find out more information about ACB on our website, acb.org. Very nice. And as always, if you have any issues, comments, questions, concerns um, related to advocacy, please shoot us an email. We love to see what you guys have to say. We want to hear from you. That's what we're here for. So again, just feel free to email us at advocacy at acb.org. So Clark, it is the end of January. Something very exciting is coming up in February that we're going to be talking about today. What is that big exciting thing that happens every February here at the American Council of the Blind? Is that mid-year, Claire? It is not mid-year. No, 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 no. Formerly known as the mid-year meetings, <laughs> now totally revamped, rebranded, we have the 2020 DC leadership meetings. That's right. Leadership meetings and legislative seminar. And that's the part that we really want to focus on with this podcast. And you'll uh, there'll be traffic about this over the ACB listservs as well as on social media and the homepage of the ACB website. But Monday, February 24th, 2020, the ACB Legislative Seminar, followed by our day on Capitol Hill, Tuesday, February 25th. Or as we like to call it here in the office, the ledge sem for those who are in the know. So we'll be talking about the ledge sem. <laughs> hashtag ledge sem, hashtag ledge sem 2020. I like it. <laughs> so Claire, what is the legislative seminar? So Clark, the legislative seminar is uh, one day, the Monday of the leadership conference where we identify some issues that are pertinent in the blind and visually impaired community that can be addressed at a legislative level, thus legislative seminar, um, that we can educate our members on, we can educate the community on, and issues that we believe um, in the national office um, can be things that we can really sink our teeth in and start to essentially lobby Capitol Hill um, to address those issues that are really important. So um, we take it really seriously. Um, we in the national office do our homework. We think about what we're seeing going on at the legislative level. And we identify usually three, could be more, could be less, but usually three issues. And we write up summaries on those. We educate our members who come to legislative seminar on those issues. We get some really great speakers. We educate our members about them so that they can take those three topics, give or take, um, up to Capitol Hill and tell their Congress members these are issues that are very timely, that are going on right here and right now in the United States that need to be addressed um, at a congressional level. And in addition to what Claire was just addressing, our legislative imperatives, we'll also have guest speakers, whether those are folks from government agencies and departments, um, corporate partners who we collaborate with on important issues or other folks in the advocacy realm mm -hmm. who are working on these issues as well. 
So Claire did a fabulous job organizing the legislative seminar last year. And Claire, just for example, for folks who are unable to attend, um, who were some of the guests that participated at last year's legislative seminar? You literally read my mind. I was about to say that. Stop reading my mind, Clark. That's creepy. Um, But yeah, last year we were fortunate, like Clark said, to have some great corporate um, attendees, some federal agency attendees, uh, members from other nonprofit advocacy groups. So just to throw a few out there, we had uh, Reagan Payne last year from General Motors from the corporate background. We had Will Shell from the Federal Communications Commission, so that government agency background. We had um, Carol Tyson from another advocacy organization, the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund. So as you can see, we have Um, people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And I think that's really exciting because it brings kind of the perspective of different angles. You know, the government can only do so much versus a corporate sponsor can do so much versus another advocacy organization. So it's exciting to see all the different groups we bring together. And I I think that that was a a great example that you just touched on, Claire, was industry, advocacy, as well as government. because on a lot of these issues that we work with here in the national office, it's not only a legislative track. There could be a path forward mm-hmm. through advocating directly with companies or corporations yeah. um, for them to pass some best practices or change some internal practices to make products or services more accessible. Or, or what? We might not need a new law because the regulations are already in place and we just need to make sure that those existing regulations are properly enforced. Yeah, or what I often like to say is approach an issue from all the different angles and like we always say, the spaghetti, see what sticks. So, you know, we might address something legislatively and we would go to the regulations or we would approach our corporate relationships, which we're so fortunate to have here at ACB. So, you know, multiple prongs always help to make things move faster. So again, having these different angles and these different different relationships are so important. And Clara, you already touched on the legislative imperatives of ACB. Uh, Talking about throwing stuff up against the wall and seeing what sticks. What (laughs) were the legislative imperatives for ACB in 2019? Yes. Um, So we can quickly go through last year's and then spoiler alert, two of our imperatives from 2019 will be um, held over for 2020 with slightly new language that we'll address just because things do evolve over time. Um, But two will be very familiar to those who attended last year or those who have been keeping track of what we're doing. So 2019 legislative imperatives. Um, The first one was the AV Start Act or Autonomous Vehicle Start Act. And that was legislation language out there to get, (laughs) I was going to say, get cars on the road. Bad pun. Anyway, to get legislation out there that would allow for the production of more autonomous vehicles so that these major automobile manufacturers could get cars on the road to test them. But it also had some provisions that were really positive for the blind and visually impaired community. For instance, one of the provisions said that states, um, federal law would preempt state law that said you have to have uh, a license that required you to pass a vision, a vision test, which obviously the 
the ACB community is not something we want to see happen. So basically, in a nutshell, it really would open the doors to more research to allow for AVs to hopefully make it onto the road sooner and then also help some provisions to help the blind community. Um, and like I said, spoiler alert, some of our imperatives are going to roll over. Um, so I can talk in a minute about what that's going to look like in 2020, but that will be one that will roll over. Um, yep. Yeah. And, and another one that will roll over is the, uh, <laughs> oh, this name, the... I was about to say, it's your turn, Clark, because yeah, you, you can yeah, always thanks, spit it Clark. out faster than I can. You're welcome. <laughs> the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act. Nailed it. <laughs> yep. And this is a bill that uh, ACB members are quite familiar with. It's been around for several years. And hopefully we can get some uh, some great work done to put this issue to bed. But you know, sometimes it takes several years for a bill yep. to get passed. So this is a bill that would allow uh, Medicare to cover low vision devices. And these are devices that involve a lens. These are devices that uh, have video magnification properties. These are devices that cost a good chunk of money. And we want to make sure that the folks in our community who need these devices to maintain their independence, to live in their community, who can benefit and improve their quality of life by using these devices have access to them. Exactly. And, you know, I'm sure a few of you out there are saying, oh man, that one again. But I think even more of you understand and can respect and are saying, yeah, that's great that we're doing it again because it's an ongoing issue that we are so passionate about. And I would say pretty much all of our members can relate to and understand because we know that these devices are expensive and we want um, programs like Medicare to be able to cover them. So, you know, we're sorry if you're starting to feel a little, you know, tired of hearing the same things. But again, I'm sure all of you guys can understand why we're going to continue to push, 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 push. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and our last imperative from last year from 2019 surrounded, um, legislative language to um, make diabetes and other medical related devices um, accessible for users who are blind or visually impaired. Um, we kind of use diabetes as the launching point because we have a lot of members of our community who are um, who are diabetic. And unfortunately, we know that a lot of the testing devices for things like blood sugar are not accessible even well last year in 2019, now in 2020, still are not accessible. Um, that's not going to be an imperative this year, but we want to stop and just take a minute to say that does not mean we're not going to address it in 2020 and moving forward. It's still something that Clark and I both hold very near and dear to our heart. We think it's really important. It's so important that we're still going to talk about it at the legislative seminar. So you'll still hear us talk about it this year if you attend and probably hear us talk about on future podcasts, etc. Um, but it's just not an imperative. And let me tell you the reason why. The reason is the imperatives are legislative imperatives, and that means that we want to find ways to get them pushed through Congress. Um, and unfortunately, right now, we're just not in a position where we have any language written to push through as um, some kind of piece of legislation. However, we would absolutely love that. I would jump up and down right now if we had that. 
And we've been given a few suggestions and of ideas on how we might move forward with that. And if you have any ideas, please feel free to let us know. Um, but that's the only reason it's not an imperative this year, because it doesn't fit nicely into that legislative imperative definition. So just remember, we care about it. We're going to keep working on it. It just is not, quote unquote, an imperative for 2020. And just to elaborate on what Claire said, it I think context is key in this situation. So 2020 is a presidential election year. Mm-hmm. It is also the second term of the 116th Congress. Uh, that means that there's going to be a very small window, basically half a year, to get bills introduced and get them passed before everyone's attention shifts to either the presidential election or re-election. So because on the diabetes issue, uh, we do not have a congressional champion who wants to push forward legislation in the House or the Senate, we do not have draft bill legislation, that's going to be a very tall order to move as a legislative vehicle this year. It's not that Congress doesn't have the appetite for healthcare or diabetes-related issues. Uh, I know folks have seen quite a bit of work going on right now on insulin and drug pricing, Um, but it it just means that this aspect of healthcare is not being addressed at the moment. And it, I mean, it's not that that is okay. You know, obviously we would like that to be addressed, but it doesn't make sense for us to beat our head up against the wall legislatively when there are other ways that we can impact this issue. Um, So folks who attended the seminar last year knew that we were taking a legal approach through looking to see whether there was cases to be brought through the courts. We were looking at a regulatory approach, um, meeting with folks at the Department of Health and Human Services, um, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, FDA, and even the federal communications issue has an interest in this issue. And those are folks who we will continue to meet with and work with to make sure that not just durable medical equipment, but all future healthcare services, whether mm-hmm. it's, um, remote diagnostic, health information technology, or telehealth services. You know, we want to make sure that all our folks have access to healthcare technology that works for them. And there's nothing, nothing to say that this will not be a legislative imperative in the years to come. Isn't that right, Claire? Exactly. Spoiler alert, teaser. Keep keep looking forward to 2021 or 2022. There's a great, great chance it'll be back as an imperative. So um, Clark and I just wanted to spend the time on that because it's something that we care very strongly for and is not going away. And we're going to continue to look at it. And like we said earlier, um, sometimes we take a multiple pronged approach. Um, so we're looking at it in many different ways. So it's it's still it's still around, we promise. Um, So, Clark, should we jump forward now to 2020 and our new imperatives this year? Yeah. Before we do that, Claire, let's talk about how the imperatives, the two held over from last year, um, what's been going on a little bit there. So, I'll start with the the low vision bill. Perfect. Last year, we had our folks asking for the reintroduction of this bill, and they were pretty dang persuasive. Because yeah, they were. <laughs> last summer, Representative Maloney from New York, as well as Representative Bilarakis from Florida, they introduced 
HR4129. And again, that's the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act of 2019. It is a bipartisan bill. Uh, Not too many folks can say that about their legislation. So it has support from both Republicans and Democrats. Um, And again, this is a a bill to create a demonstration pilot program at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to last five years, valued at $12.5 million. Um, And this will assess the the need as well as the feasibility and the cost for for providing these low vision devices. Mm -hmm. So by the time the legislative seminar rolls around, we hope that there will be, and we are you know, not just sitting here hoping, but actively working towards introduction of a Senate companion bill. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for more information on that. Um, If introduced, that would be the first time we've had a companion bill introduced in the Senate. So that would be great progress to help move this issue forward. Yeah, it's exciting, everybody. It's looking really promising that that um, companion uh, bill language is going to be put out there. Please keep your fingers and toes crossed, whatever you do. Um, you know, we, we can't say much yet, but it, it's looking like it might happen. So we're excited. Um, and then the second imperative that, again, is kind of a rollover from last year, but with new language is, again, last year we called it the AV Start Act. People aren't quite using the same language this year, but essentially it's the same thing. It is putting more language out there to advance the progress of autonomous vehicles. And we, uh, the American Council of the Blind, as well as many other disability advocacy organizations, were approached by a bipartisan, bicameral, meaning both Republicans, Democrats, Senate, and House of Representatives, really exciting, um, to get our opinions on what language should look like when developing autonomous vehicles. And of course, we were very eager to jump in and say, yes, please, we'd love to give our two cents to make sure that autonomous vehicles will first be accessible for the blind and visually impaired, and two, that any legislation that's drafted will not negatively impact the blind and visually impaired community. So we've sat in on those conversations, we've proofread the language, we've redlined the red li- the language, and we've been told that hopefully soon in early 2020, that language will come out. And so we are eagerly awaiting that to see if it's proposed. So that's kind of why we are holding on to uh, the language, legislative language for, again, what used to be called the AV Start Act. Right now, it doesn't have a name, but should be coming out soon in 2020 to continue to drive forward like that, uh, the autonomous vehicle legislation that's out there. Our third imperative for 2020, our new imperative, uh, surrounds what is called the Surface Transportation Bill, or you might also hear it called the Fast Act Bill, um, but both terms are used for the language. Um, but it's legislation that's already been out there that's been passed in uh, past years to kind of cover all things surface transportation related. So anything that's on the road um, and it has to be reauthorized by the fall of 2020. So September of this coming year. So, wow, like eight months away, it's going to come very quickly. So it's our hope that with the reauthorization looming so soon that we can really hone in on the surface transportation transportation bill and uh, get some language in there that would positively impact surface transportation for persons who are blind or visually impaired. 
Um, so we are still playing with some uh, language that we want to see introduced, but I can just briefly talk about some of the ideas that have come out of conversations with leaders in ACB, such as the committee leaders from the Transportation Committee and the um, EAC Committee and so on and so forth. So some of the issues we really see highlighted are things like accessible pedestrian signals um, paired with uh, leading pedestrian interval signalization, which everybody was a resolution at the convention this summer in 2019. So coming directly from everybody at convention. Another issue we want to see addressed under there has to do with micromobility issues. Again, one of our resolutions from the 2019 convention. Um, so a lot of language coming directly from what you guys all voted for at the summer. So we're really looking um, directly at you guys for what you guys want to talk about as it pertains to surface transportation. Um, and again, keep, keep your eye out soon for some of the language we're going to draft up based on conversations that we're having with members and committee leaders. And it, I think it's important to note, Claire, as you mentioned, um, a lot of these transportation issues were passed as ACB resolutions. And just this past year alone, four of the ACB resolutions, a quarter of them were transportation related. So I think that's why there's an opportunity here to impact a lot of those desires expressed by the membership, mm -hmm. and we're taking full advantage of that. Another thing that I'll point out is it's taken us a little while to get used to it. Um, we always used to refer to audible pedestrian signals. Um, however, technology has advanced, and the, sig the pedestrian signals now are much more inclusive. Um, so initially, we've we first had the lights, you know, whether it was the red hand or the, the white or green little walkie man. Um, and then we, then we got an audible beacon. Well, now a lot of those audible beacons also have vibration feedback as well. So it's taken us a little bit of time, but we're doing our best to make sure we're using the correct language here and that we are referring to accessible pedestrian signals so that the signals um, that are put out into the landscape are those that can have the greatest impact for the greatest number of folks, especially folks with multiple disabilities, even with our own AC, within our own ACB community. Exactly. Yeah, so that is kind of a brief overview. And again, we could talk for hours, which we look forward to talking to you guys for hours at the legislative seminar on all these issues, both old and new and those that are evolving over time, um, issues that we are going to work with you guys during the legislative seminar on February 24th, that Monday. We'll go over all of those issues. We'll talk through them, have some great speakers and great panelists to talk about what's going on so that you can all have a great education to go up to the Hill the next day, February 25th, to present these issues, as well as any other issues you want, to talk to your representatives and just say, hey, this is what's going on in the blind and visually impaired community. These are issues we believe need to be addressed um, and have you know a direct communication and direct impact on your representatives, which we're really excited about. And there'll be plenty of communications coming out from ACB related to the legislative seminar, as well as the day on Capitol Hill. So for example, there was a webinar hosted by Cindy Van Winkle back in December. That the beautiful Cindy Van Winkle, that's right. 
<laughs> that webinar is archived under the special events heading on the ACB radio website. Um, that will also be included in some email communications that we have. And just to recap, that webinar uh, was mainly directed towards those attending the legislative seminar for the first time, what it is, what to expect. Um, but it's good for good information that other folks, if you need a refresher, um, can listen to as well. Uh, last week or the week before, we sent out an announcement. Um, the link is live to register on the ACB website. The easiest way to find that is to go to acb.org and search for the quick links heading. And then right there is the, the first one listed 2020 DC leadership meetings. And by the time this podcast goes up, there'll be a communication that goes out with information about how to schedule your meetings for the Capitol Hill Day. And do not hesitate if people have questions on how to, um, you know, please read the literature first. But once you've read the literature, if you still have questions on how to make appointments, what the topics are about, just any questions, we would love to help you. I'll make sure Clark does all the work, but no, seriously, please feel free to reach out to us. That's what we're here for. And we want you guys to have a great time to learn a lot and be, you know, a huge help to us advocating on the Hill. We can't do it alone. Clark and I are only two people. So we're excited to have everybody going up the Hill and being advocates for the blind and visually impaired community. And as Claire said, uh, we cannot do this alone, nor do we want to do this alone. No. Mm -mm. Uh, having you all storm Capitol Hill, you know, looking sharp, wearing your comfortable walking shoes, because there's <laughs> a lot of walking, um, it makes our job so much easier that yeah. when we go in and meet with members um, or when folks like Dan Dillon from Tennessee have formed such a great relationship with their senator. They can just reach out and send an email and all of a sudden a meeting is arranged. That makes our job so much easier. And what you'll all realize is everyone up there, they're just people. I know there is the, you know, the aura um, and just the, you know, the awe of going to you know, basically Oz. Um, but at the end of the day, you can peel back that curtain. You're just going up there to have conversations with folks who are just as passionate as you about all of these issues and their constituents back home. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, I hope this was helpful for everybody to kind of get a sneak peek taste at what the imperatives will look like for 2020. Um, we encourage everybody to sign up for the leadership conference and the legislative seminar. Again, reach out with any questions, comments, concerns. And as always, if you have any issues, email us at advocacy at acb.org. I'll make sure uh, my guide dog gets on answering those emails for us. So great. So Clark, I think it's very appropriate based on what we're about to do going up to the hill. What should we tell everybody as we always do? Well, we close the podcast the same way we always do, but this time it's not just keep advocating, it's keep advocating on the low vision devices bill, keep advocating on autonomous vehicles, and keep advocating for better access both to our environment and to all forms of transportation. Nailed it. <laughs>